let's make our confession. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. This morning, I want to um, minister on Easter part two. There were some things that I didn't get out of my heart last Sunday morning when we were ministering on Easter. And so I'd like to go a little bit further. And we'll just see where the Lord takes us from there. I noticed in my iPad calendar that today is listed as Orthodox Easter. I'm not sure what that is. I want you to consider something. If you were God... Thank God you're not. (laughs) But if you were God and you wanted to reveal yourself to mankind, to your people, how would you do that? So much of the church world seems to think that God's trying to hide himself from us. God's not hiding. He wants us to know him. I want to start in uh, Exodus chapter 12. God has brought the plagues upon the Egyptians. And each one of those plagues was a judgment against one of their gods. And so he's coming to the last plague. And the Lord is instituting the Passover. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be first the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh, flesh in that night, roast with fire, 
and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs, and they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it, with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men, man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord and the blood shall be unto you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you a memorial, and you shall keep it at a feast unto the Lord throughout your generations. You shall eat it, you shall keep it a feast by the ordinance forever. Notice in verse 11, and thus you shall eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Psalm said that it's to be eaten for the strength of your journey. Well, he's clearly telling him to be ready to go, to be prepared for the journey that he will take them on. The story goes on where the firstborn of Egypt is smitten. The Lord gives him instruction about the feast of unleavened bread. Psalm 105, verse 37, I believe it is, says he led them forth with silver and gold and there was not one feeble among them. Chapter 14 of Exodus, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak ye unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before some place, between Migdal and the sea, over against some other place, before it shall before it shall you encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all of his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them in camping by the sea beside those two places that we couldn't pronounce before. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes 
And behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift up thy rod, and stretch your hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, will harden the heart of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all of his hosts, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten me glory upon Pharaoh, and upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went un into the midst of the sea of the, upon dry land, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians, and took off their chariot wheels, and they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the, land, of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Chapter 15 is their song of victory. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. 
it goes on to describe the, the victory. Chapter 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. The, the language is a little unclear. It could mean just a foul taste, or it could mean poisonous. And there's no way to tell from the, from the language itself. So when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Now, folks, this is three days after the great victory over the Egyptians, and the people are ready to rebel against Moses. So the Lord continues talking to the people, verse 26, and he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. The language is a little difficult in this verse 26. There's two possibilities. One is God is saying, I am the God that heedeth thee. You need not be afraid because from this point forward, I will be your healing and your health. But it could also mean that he's looking backwards to the Passover and saying, I am the God that healed thee in the Passover. We know something happened because God changed the condition of the people. As we said, Psalm 105, verse 37, he brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble among them. Feeble means weak, but it also means sick. Of the millions of people, and the estimates are two to seven million people were delivered by God from the Egyptian, the bondage of Egypt, whether it's 2 million or it's 7 million. It's a crowd that it would be impossible on its face for there not to be somebody that's sick or weakly, weak or sickly. So it could be that God is saying, 
the healing that came upon you when you partook of the Passover that enabled everybody to, to leave and go from Egypt. He could be saying, I'm the one that healed you. We know that healing was a part of the Passover. In Second Chronicles chapter 30, 400 years after these things take place, Hezekiah becomes king of Israel and he reinstitutes the Passover. In Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 20, it says that the Lord hearkened unto Hezekiah and he healed the people. I want to read to you from a book, Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bosworth. He says on pages six and seven of the Schofield Bible, Mr. Schofield, in his footnote on the redemptive name, says that the name Jehovah is directly, distinctly the redemptive name of deity and means the self-existent one who reveals himself. One of the ways God has revealed himself is by the names that he gave himself. These seven redemptive names, he says, points to a, a continuous and increasing self-revelation. He then says in his redemptive relation to man, Jehovah has seven compound names which reveal him as meeting every need of man from his lost state to the end. Since it is his redemptive relation to us that these names reveal, we must they must each point to Calvary, where we were redeemed. The blessing that each name reveals must be provided by the atonement. Here are the following, here are the seven redemptive names. Jehovah Shammah is translated, the Lord is there or present. The Bible says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Another one is Jehovah Shalom, which is translated, the Lord our peace. Another is Jehovah Ra, which translated, the Lord is my shepherd. Another is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Another is Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord our banner or victory. Another is Jehovah Sidkenu, which means the Lord our righteousness. And the seventh redemptive name is Jehovah Rapha, which is translated, the Lord that healeth thee. God reveals himself to us by seven redemptive names. That we may know who he says he, that he is. Again, the, the name Jehovah means the self-existent one who reveals himself. The first way that God revealed himself, or the first of these redemptive names that he gives himself, is here in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26.
at the place called Mara. There he made before them a statute and an ordinance. That's a never-ending decree. So the name he identifies himself with, the, all of these seven redemptive names, but the first one in Exodus chapter 15, the Lord that healeth thee, he's saying that that's an eternal name. It's the character and the nature of God. If thou will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon thee which have come upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Folks, God comes to his people and he creates conditions whereby he can show himself and show his mercy and his goodness to his people. He created the situation that called for the Passover, the substitute of sacrifice, for the healing of Israel so that they could begin their journey and come to a place where they worship the Lord their God. And of course, God's plan and purpose was to take them to the promised land, but they rebelled against God failed to take the promised land, failed to go into the promised land. And as a result, wandered in the desert, in the wilderness, 40 years. Matthew, I'm, I'm sorry, Mark, chapter 7, tells us the story of a deaf man that was healed. Verse 31, and again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, Jesus came into the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they brought unto him one that was deaf, and had an impediment in his speech, and they besought him, put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto them, Ephaphtha, that is, be open. And straightway his ears were open, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And they were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the, the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Now in chapter 8 of Mark, in verse 22, and he came to Bethsaida, 
And they brought him a blind man, brought a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands upon his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and he saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. I asked a question last Sunday morning. What exactly are the healing properties of spit? There are three different occasions in the Gospels that tell us about Jesus spitting on somebody for them to receive their, uh, receive their healing. John chapter 9 is probably the most well-known of the instances where Jesus spat. Verse 1, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind men with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way therefore and washed and came again seeing. The neighbors therefore and they which before had seen him that he was blind said, Is not this that he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. And others said, Well, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore they said unto him, How were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. And then they said unto him, Where is he? And he said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees him that was aforetime was blind. And the Sabbath day, it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. There were only a few, these three, that Jesus ministered healing to them by spitting on them. One guy spit on his eyes. Another guy he spit on and touched his tongue. And then this one in John chapter 9, he spits on the ground and makes a little mud pack type thing. Tells the man to go wash off in the pool of Siloam. And when he did, his sight was restored. I think we can agree that it wasn't the spit that healed him. 
It was something that came from the innermost man, Jesus, that carried enough healing power to alter their situation. And especially in John chapter 9, somebody that was born blind from his birth, the man in Mark chapter 8 couldn't have been blind from his birth because when Jesus spit and then asked him if he saw anything, he said, I see men walking around like trees. Well, if he had been blind from birth, he wouldn't know what men look like or trees look like. And Jesus ministers to him the second time, puts his hand on his eyes, and his sight was restored. Folks, God creates healing opportunities for people to receive their healing. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Notice that the healing power of God was available. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took, upon, took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Jesus asked him a question that I think it would serve us well to answer for ourselves. Jesus said, which is easier to say? Say to the sick, arise and walk? Or say to the sinner, your sins are forgiven? 
Now the Pharisees that were there and the others that were crowding in the house were taking up so much room. There was apparently not enough room for these four guys to bring their friend on the stretcher that he was carried with or carried on. Imagine being in that situation and the people that are there, they're identified, many of them are identified as scribes and doctors of the laws and Pharisees. They wouldn't even take a chance on getting out of the way to let this guy get up to where Jesus was. There may be a lot of obstacles that get in the way of people getting to Jesus or believing for healing. But these guys were determined and they went up on the rooftop and took the roof apart. So they could let their friend down before where Jesus was. Notice the presence, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, who's the them that he's talking about? The them that he's referring to are the ones that are already in the house. How was the circumstance created where the power of the Lord was present to heal anybody and everybody that's in the house? Back up to Mark chapter 8, verse 1. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and said unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked, How many loaves have you? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people, Sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, and break, and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had few, fall, few small fishes, and he blessed them and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled, and they that took up the broken meat that was left, seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. And straightway he entered into the ship with his disciples and came into the parts of some place. 
And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit, saying, Why does this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, and entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now, folks, I would consider the feeding of the 5,000 a sign, wouldn't you think? Verse 14, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. When Jesus knew it, he said unto them, Why reason ye because you have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither, un neither understand? Have you in your heart, have you, have you your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not, and do not remember? When I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? They've been with Jesus for three days. And he mentions that some of them have come from a long way. I would like you to consider something. And that is people that would make that kind of sacrifice or hardship. Accept that kind of hardship to hear what Jesus had to say were the ones that received the benefit of the miracle concerning the loaves and the fishes. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret. He saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought or catch your fish and Simon answered and said unto him master we have toiled all the night and taken nothing nevertheless at thy word I will let down the net and when they had this done they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break and they beckoned their, unto their partners which were in the other ship that he should come and help them and they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink when Simon Peter saw it he fell down at Jesus knees saying depart from me for I am a sinful man O Lord for he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the drought of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, for from henceforth thou shalt catch men. 
And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if I will, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show himself to the priests and offer for thy cleansing according as, as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Notice that phrase, came to hear and to be healed. Then it tells us about the paralytic that he healed. It came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy and they sought means to bring him in to lay him before him. When they could not find what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. This guy was healed as a result of his willingness to hear the word and to be healed. A lot of people want to be healed, but they don't want to hear. And every time in the Gospels, you see where people separate themselves like these folks did for three days. When they put away the conveniences of life and commit themselves to the word, that's when miraculous things take place. There's another instance here in Luke chapter 6. Verse 17. And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And a whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Notice they came to hear and to be healed. And it created another of these situations where the multitude was healed, everyone. There were instances in Jesus' ministry where through the teaching of the word it was made known that healing was available 
and where the scripture tells us that the power of the Lord was present to heal. That means God was willing, Jesus was willing, and through his teaching, he created the atmosphere for people to receive their healing. But the people didn't put themselves in a position to receive. If the power of the Lord was present to heal though, everybody that was crowded in the house, how come nobody got healed? Other than the man that they brought in and let down through the roof. Even when the power of God is in manifestation, it still takes faith on the part of the individual to reach out and take hold of it. Here's God revealing himself, making himself known. God makes himself known not only as the creator of the universe, not only through the, the stories in the Bible that tell us about his mighty power, but it also tells us about his character. It tells us about his, his willingness to reach out to mankind. And to remove the condition of sickness and disease. And minister healing to the physical body. They came to hear and to be healed. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus never changes. So if through the teaching of Jesus, the power of God was made available to heal the sick, we should explain, we should expect the same results today. I think many times we develop the idea that we're the ones that have to create healing opportunities. But these healing opportunities are things that are of God, not of man. I wonder if God is sealed with God that he does thee. I'm expecting God to do some things like he used to do. 
what would it take for one of our church services to to be in this category where the power of the Lord was present to heal whoever was there? I think we would expect for something to be done on our part to reach out to take hold of it and receive it. But it's not like we want to be healed but God's not willing. It's not like we want to receive our healing but God withholds the power. That's contrary to anything that we have revealed, see revealed to us in the scripture. Thank God for manifestations of healing power. That would be part of our year of Jubilee. Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit the night that he was betrayed he told his disciples how be it when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come he will glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show them all things that the father hath are mine therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it 
unto you. One of the works of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into truth or reality. And one of those realities is the healing power of God. I look for the Holy Spirit to guide us into the right things to, to teach, to guide us into the reality of God's unfailing wi uh, willingness to heal. He sent his word and healed us and delivered us from our destruction. Father, we bless your holy name. We thank you for revealing yourself to us. Revealing yourself as the Lord that healeth us. Thank you, Father, that your healing power is available for each and every one of us who need healing in our bodies. Thank you, Lord. up with the hand of faith and take hold of your healing power. Thank you, Lord. For by your stripes we are healed. Thank you, Lord. There's nothing that's too hard for you. No sickness, no disease. It's greater than the name of Jesus and the power in that name. 
Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be the name of Jesus. There's healing in that name. Thank you, Lord. We call ourselves free. We declare that we are healed. Healed and made whole in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, manifesting your healing power in our bodies. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This is our year of Jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. just believe we're supposed to stand and after Pastor Mike had us have that we declared it but now let's thank God for it so let's stand together and let's thank him for it hallelujah the
Bible says that when we praise him, God inhabits the praises of our people, of his people. So, Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you, Lord, for restoration. We thank you, Lord, that this is our year of jubilee. We're living in it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We give you praise for it, Lord. As we worship you, as we praise you, we thank you, Lord, that your presence inhabits this place, that your presence inhabits our minds, that your presence inhabits our bodies. Hallelujah. So we thank you for it. We thank you, O Lord, in our families for miracles of healings. We thank you, O Lord, in our families for divine provision and protection. Hallelujah. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you in advance. We thank you in advance. We praise you in advance. Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Glory to your name, glory to your name. Your power is present to heal. Your power is present to deliver. Your power is present to save. Your power is present to give peace. Hallelujah. And wisdom and direction. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We rejoice. We rejoice evermore. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, you remember there's numerous examples in the Bible where it talks about that the, the people of God or the disciples, Paul and Silas, I'll use that one as an example. When they were at midnight, they were in prison. They didn't just pray or they didn't just declare. They prayed and sang praises unto God. Amen. Hallelujah. So when we're praying about something or we're declaring the word of God, we shouldn't just pray or declare. It's just like this with what we have just done. But thank him for the answer. Amen. And thank him ahead of time. You know, it's easy to shout and rejoice when everything's going great. But if you're in a difficult time or the devil, it seems like, is wearing you out, wearing you out. It seems like the devil is doing that in these last days, these perilous times. He's just wearing people out, everybody I talk to. You know the best way to get energized is to praise God and glorify him when it's dark, when you don't feel like it. Hallelujah. That's Thank when you, we praise him. We don't Thank praise you, him after we've seen our jubilee come in or we have been restored. But ahead of time, hallelujah, hallelujah. in the darkness. We praise him, hallelujah, ahead of time, in faith, we thank him. Glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I remember there was one situation in particular, very difficult situation that we were going through, and I would wake up in the middle of the night, and if you've been in our house, you know we have a little loop. Like our kitchen kind of attaches to the dining room kitchen and goes around to the entrance and then comes back in around the kitchen. And so you can do like a little loop. And so I would get up in the middle of the night. Now it's a little dangerous because there is one step. So you have to, make, have to make sure you're awake. But I would get up and I wouldn't 
wake anyone up because I was quiet about it. And I ran around that. I might start doing that again. I ran that little roof around the house. Well, I might not quite run now. I might walk real fast. Anyway, but I ran that little loop, and I just, as a symbol of, I thank you, Lord. I just declare like the walls of Jericho, you know. You march around the walls of Jericho. I'm going to run around these walls. I'm going to shout about it and glorify God. It didn't feel like it. Everything looked dark. But you just have to sometimes do something or other and go, I believe God. Hallelujah. And so uh, if you need to get up in the little night and run a loop around something, hallelujah, then we're going to do that. So, Lord, we thank you ahead of time. We thank you for our deliverance. We thank you for our victory. We thank you for answers in our families, in our life, whatever situation on your job. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that the glory of God and the presence of God, the manifestation of your power is at work. We believe you for it. We thank you for it. Amen. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. We thank bless you, your holy name. Yes, we do. Thank you for your healing mercy. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being led by the Holy Ghost. Yes. Hallelujah. Blessed thank be the name you. of thank Jesus. Blessed be the name. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Amen. One last thing. Ladies, there is no Bible study this week. Pastor Chip doesn't know because he doesn't come. It's not this week. It is next week. I think it's the 25th. It's on a Tuesday night. So if you come here, or we'll send Pastor Chip here. He'll let you in, right? <laughs> anyway, just that one quick little reminder. Okay. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.